0: A couple weeks ago, uh, we learned to never give up on people, and we learned that Jesus loves people that we find unlovely, and we learned that he can redeem and use even the worst of sinners to draw people to himself. Today's passage strikes with the truth that you, you can't always judge a book by its cover, You also cannot judge a believer by their past. If you'd have known me in 1984, you'd have never dreamed or thought I'd be a lead pastor someday. And in 1985, as a new believer, I never dreamed that 15 years later, I'd be the men's director for the state of Iowa, and then I'd lead 29 men into the rainforest of Costa Rica for 10 days <laughs> to do a construction mission trip, someplace I'd never been before. And, I'd, and if you try to lead 29 guys through an airport and get them, every guy is a type A <laughs> on a missions trip. I'm sorry, that's what happens. So <laughs> I have stories to share with you about that. Anyway. Um, But it's because leaders who were in my life saw God's gifts in me. And as a result, they encouraged me, they invested in me, they mentored me. And many times it makes me think of the many people that I've had the joy as a pastor to work with, to mentor, to help raise up into ministries that God's called to them, called them to. Wow. Wow. People like me, who could talk better than me, who didn't look right for ministry. People who became great leaders because someone encouraged them to lead. Even when others thought it was too dangerous or that they were not obvious leaders. Don't we all know someone like them? Someone that's dangerous Someone who we think, oh, there's no way God could use that person. Or maybe they have a past and we think, you know, yes, they've come to know Jesus, but because of their past, there's no way God could use them. But after being encouraged and mentored, they turned out to be someone who God could use. Someone who could use powerfully. Maybe it didn't seem like they could accomplish something, but they did, and they still are to the surprise of others. Think of it like this. They are not unlike Saul, who became Paul, who would eventually become the writer of most of the New Testament. We're going to start out with a little refresher this morning. It's been a couple of weeks, and I just want you to want to bring you up to speed with what happened before we get to our passage today. and. And uh, I'm looking in Acts chapter 9 and verses 10 through 19. I can't remember if I gave Jody those scriptures. If I didn't, you'll just have to believe I'm reading it out of God's word. Or you can look it up because you should have a Bible. All right. Verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Dum-dum-dum. But the Lord said, Go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. So here is the guy who ends up writing most of the New Testament, the guy who is feared by Christians because he's a murderer. Right? But Ananias listens to the Holy Spirit and says, Okay, I'll do what you told me to do. I'm frightened to death, but I trust you. And so he goes to Saul, and we get to where we are in the story today. In verse 19b, actually the last half of verse 19, there really isn't a B there, I put one there. It says Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? I suspect a few of them... We're saying things like, isn't this the man who killed our friends? (laughs) Isn't this the man we need to be afraid of? How could God use a man like this? The story continues in verse 22. It says, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gates so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. And so what happens in the story is the prosecutor becomes the persecuted. The man who was going after the followers of Jesus is suddenly the man who has a price on his head. Thankfully, there's some other believers there who are listening to the Holy Spirit, and they were not thinking about who Paul was in the past. They were thinking about who Paul was in the present. They saw that God had done something in his life and they said, we need to help this guy. And so they said, we got a great idea. Paul, jump in this basket. (laughs) We'll lower you down the wall. And Paul did it and he got away, obviously. Verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how, Saul, how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles, and he went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. See, a thing we need to know that... I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase that nothing ever changes, right? I mean, things, things happen again and again. Nothing's new under the sun. In Saul's day, the early church... People changed alliances often or they pretended to change in order to trick their adversaries. It's really not that different today, is it? People change their alliances, they change sides, they change their minds, they, right? So this was not some strange thing that people were a little afraid of Paul. You know, it's like, is he really a Christian? Is he really following Jesus? Can we trust him? And so here's the thing. Saul's record, really, he could have been compared to Heinrich Himmler, the Nazi henchman. I know that's like, oh, you can't talk about Paul like that. But that's who he was. He was a murderer. He was known for coming up with the way to exterminate the Jews in concentration camps. That's what Henrik Himmler did. Paul was finding a way to exterminate Christians. Let me just chew on that for a little while. That's the, that's the guy who God redeemed, transformed, made him new, even though nobody necessarily believed it. They were scared of him. That's the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Because of what God did in him. The guy who I'm sure they thought, (laughs) there's no hope for him. So Saul, even though now he's saved, he's not a guy that anybody wants to hang out with. The Christians don't want to hang out with him. And the people that were with Saul before he became Paul, they didn't want to hang out with him. Remember, they were coming, they plotted to murder him. Nobody wants to be Paul's friend. Even so, he had been transformed by Christ. There's a short video I'd like you to watch with me. I'd like you to just take a moment and look to your right and your left in the row that you're sitting in. Pretty much every row that you're sitting in has empty chairs. There's nearly a 100 empty chairs every Sunday morning in the early service and in the second service. There's nearly 5,000 broken people who live in Princeton and the surrounding area. Friends, we have room for them here. And when these chairs are full, we'll make more room. We'll do what it takes to make room always. That's God's plan for this community. It's his plan for this region. And there is no one, there's no one too broken. There is no one too scary for God to redeem he did it with Paul you know I believe father restored these not in spite of their brokenness but because of it I will tell you this over the last 20 years of getting to be a pastor I have seen some people who were incredibly broken that God used so powerfully the rest of their lives after they came to know him He restores us because he can use our brokenness to change the lives of those he's placed around us. And he places people in our midst for us to bring them to restoration. I am convinced, I'm convinced that People Church is full of leaders yet to follow the calling God has placed on their lives. Let's look again in his word. And we're going to go back to verse 23. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. At this point, Saul was a man without a country. The Jews wanted to kill him. The believers didn't trust him. And they were not sure he was really committed to serving Jesus. Verse 27. It says, Then Barnabas. Oh, I love the Barnabases of the world. There were Barnabases in my life. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Barnabas appears, not in the nick of time, but because there are no coincidences, God placed him in Saul's life at that moment, just like he has placed you in the lives of people that you work with, you live near, people who don't know Jesus. God is calling you and I to be their Barnabas. He appears, and he's not a man who was just a great encourager, but he's a man who has discernment. He's able to discern and how and who to encourage. He was able to see that Paul had been restored and redeemed. Barnabas had three traits that, that we need that are essential in order to be encouragers of others. And those three traits are discernment, courage, and availability. Discernment is the ability to sense integrity in people. Know this not everyone who talks about God is someone to get behind. Some of you may not know these names because you're younger than me, barely, but Jim Jones, David Koresh, people who talked about Jesus even used the scriptures, but they were cult leaders. But understand this, we do not need to be a judgmental people. We do need to be a discerning people. What's the difference between being judgmental and discerning? I I will tell you what that is. A judgmental person is one who delights in finding and pointing out the errors and faults of others. That's a judgmental person. They delight in finding errors and faults in others. A discerning person, their heart breaks when they see someone whose heart is not right. Their own heart breaks. Yet they wear a mask of spirituality to proclaim to be a believer. So a discerning person, their heart breaks when they see one someone who is a pretender. Barnabas had courage. The ability to go with God's selection, not man's. Here's the thing that I've noticed, you guys. God is way better at picking than we are. Isn't he? Yeah. I even remember, you know, I was never that great at sports. I played some sports. But I remember that whole thing in grade school, you know, when they're picking teams. And, and it, you know, sometimes you're the last kid. Well, I, I was usually second to last, but um, not true. But, but now I am telling you the truth. There were people who got picked at the beginning who really weren't that great. They were just good friends, right? They were just good friends. They weren't that great at the sport. So we're not that great at picking. Courage is the ability to go with God's selection, not ours. And then availability, the willingness to serve. You see, Barnabas didn't just make a pronouncement about Paul and then back away. He could have just said, hey, you guys, you don't need to worry about Paul. He's a new man. And then walked out of the picture. But what we'll find in the future is that Barnabas was alongside Paul as an encourager throughout the rest of the book of Acts. So he didn't just... Make a pronouncement and step away. He became a close ally and a friend of Paul's, a guy who was not popular. And know this, there will be times when we'll come alongside people who have just come to Jesus that the Holy Spirit isn't quite done washing them up all the way, just like he's not done washing us all up all the way. And people say, well, how can you hang out with that person? And our answer will be, I can hang out with that person because I know that they chose to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus is still working on them just like he's working on me. You see, Barnabas, he became a close ally and a friend. He invested in Paul's life and his ministry. And even when others thought, he could not be trusted. Everything that Paul accomplishes from this point further has Barnabas's blueprints, his fingerprints on it. You will see that Barnabas is there all the way with Paul. You see, it's not enough it's not enough to encourage people who make us feel good or who are attractive to us or who look like their leaders or look like their winners. Or look like they've got everything together in their life. We're called to be encouragers of those who might not look like that. We need to encourage those who, who can't give us anything back. We need to encourage without an expectation that we're going to receive something. We need to encourage people who are a little rough around the edges... Because I believe God uses them not in spite of. He's got a plan. We need to encourage people no one else wants to connect to. Maybe they smell bad, literally. Maybe they curse on occasion. Maybe they're still making some addictive choices that that are not good for them. Or do we think it's just a little too risky? You see, in the end, it is up to the Holy Spirit. We're fishers of men. Remember when we talked about that in the last few weeks? That's what God's called us to be as fishers of men. It's not our job to clean the fish. It's only our job to catch them. It's only our job to get them in the boat, let them flop around in there, and then let the Holy Spirit do his job. And meanwhile, let's love them into the kingdom. Let's encourage them. When we see them making steps that are going closer and closer to Jesus, let's go, yeah, let's be their cheering section. And when other people talk about them in ways that's not kind, let's stop them from doing it. And say, look at what God has done in their life. So what does this mean to you? Who is the most encouraging person you know? The Barnabas, the person who is able to find something good in everyone. Who is that person? Now, I'm not asking you to point them out. I see people looking around. No, 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 don't do that, okay? But that person that you know that is so good at that, take them out to coffee and say, hey, I noticed you're really good at encouraging people. How does that happen? Tell me what that works like in your head. Show me me your ways. You see, we can mentor each other. That's part of what the body of Christ is all about. Ask yourself the question, how can you become more like them in encouraging others? How can you become an encourager? Are you persistent? Are you sincere? Are you specific in encouraging others? You know, one of the things that I do often, not every day, but several days of the week when I spend my time with the Lord, I say, Holy Spirit, show me who I can encourage today. Who can I encourage? Who can I, uh, there's something they've done. Let Let me encourage them. Show me that. Because I might not see it on my own. In fact, I probably won't. Because like all of us, we're so busy doing our own thing, aren't we? Well, not you guys. I'm busy doing my own thing. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what we could encourage in others that we see around us. When we see God doing stuff in them. Or when we see that God wants to use them some way that they're not being used yet. Let's be encouragers like Barnabas. Who do you know that needs to be encouraged to become everything that God made them to be. They might be someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. They might be someone who already does. Who do you know who needs to be encouraged to become who God made them to be? Let's stand up together and we'll close in prayer. Here's what we will do at People Church. We, us. We are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. People should be able to come here and go, you know what? There's something different there. I sense something I've never sensed before. I'll tell you what, this morning during the music part of worship, if you could not feel the Holy Spirit moving, your feeler is broken. (laughs) Anybody who come into this place who doesn't know Jesus would go, Whoa, what is going on in here? We are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm hoping that you will pray with me. Repeat after me. I should have said that. Be more clear, Pastor Bob. (laughs) Lord, Lord. I want to be more like Barnabas. Barnabas. Discerning, Discerning. courageous, Courageous. and available. I want to encourage others others. in my circle of influence. Holy Holy Spirit, show me how to speak words of encouragement and hope to those Father has connected me with in my day-to-day life. Holy Spirit, would you do it? Would you make it so? Would you help us to be encouragers? Would you open our eyes to see people the way Jesus sees them? God, I thank you that despite our past... You are the God who redeems, restores, transforms, changes, empowers, fills with your Holy Spirit, and makes us more like you. God, would you make us more like you and less like us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.